That's how we need to be going throughout life, praising the Lord and, and celebrating what he's done. And we wanted to share a little bit about what's been happening this week with uh, Making Way here at the church as we're striving to move forward with this initiative. Already this week, a lot's been happening. In fact, last Sunday, you know that we heard about the plans for our future as we talked about our vision ahead and where we're going. And then some of our children during Sunday school launched uh, prayers of thank you letters to God and uh, for his generosity and those blue no telling where. And then uh, our fourth graders talked about how they can show generosity. And then we also had this week the pre-construction meeting, which means work starts tomorrow. Yeah, let's give the Lord a hand for that. Amen. We'll start with Project 1, which is the activities building, starting about 7 a.m. tomorrow. Dump trucks will be backed up. They'll start knocking out stuff, building construction walls. Uh, it's going to be exciting happening over there in the activities building. So if you want to use the nastiest restrooms in central Louisiana, you better do it this afternoon because tomorrow they're coming out. We're excited about that. <laughs> 
Um, we're excited about that project happening. Also, if uh, you have not received a copy of our campaign booklet, we encourage you to pick one of those up. We have 500 extra copies around the church. Uh, pick one up. Also, take one. Leave it at your doctor's office in the waiting room. You know, it's good advertisement for what God's doing here. Share it with friends. You might have somebody you know that, that you want to mail one to and say, hey, just pray for us while we're doing this project. But we ordered extra for that purpose. Spread the news about what God is doing. Also, we launched the vision video uh, last Sunday in worship. That's been on social media. It's also available through our church website. Uh, as of this morning when I checked, it had been viewed 8,600 times on Facebook. That's crazy, but that's awesome. Keep sharing, keep liking. We're going to have another video in worship this week. It's going to be some testimonies. We'll share that this afternoon. You can like and share that as well. We want to see that good word out. And then also the most important thing you can do is be praying. And again, this week we have the prayer points uh, in your worship guide, which illustrates the uh, prayer walk that you can do around the church. You can notice the numbers around the building. Had a little rain this week, and so hopefully you can find some time this week to do a prayer drive or a prayer walk around our campus. And then also, if you haven't picked up your prayer tent, we encourage you to do that. They're available here at the front and in the foyer. Uh, Three things to pray for. The capital campaign of making way, our church, and that we would fulfill our vision of being first. Also in your worship guide is the commitment card. Uh, We want you to pray about what your family will be giving, and you'll bring these to worship on May 3rd. And you see the other key dates on the screen this morning. Now, some of you may want to participate financially, and and you're just a little bit concerned about circumstances that are going on right now, maybe with your job or your family, and you're just not sure about making a long-term commitment. Here's, Here's my advice to you. Pray and then follow God. It may be that you have to commit to a lower level than you would like to, but you commit and pray the Lord lets you meet the higher number uh, in time. Just just trust the Lord. That's that's the only kind of advice I can give you there, but to pray and seek the Lord. Today, as Ryan shared, we're, we're focusing on making way for all generations. And so you've already seen all generations participating in worship and I heard the little the the brass guys had a little interlude in there and their youth and we're going to have children singing it's a a great thing you know this campaign this first phase has something for every generation and we are blessed in our church to have people who attend weekly that range in age from 98 years old all the way down to bed babies that is exciting And we look forward to how we're going to make way for all of the generations in the years to come. But always remember this. We do not give to a budget or a building. We give to reach people. And that's why we give. That's why we do what we do. Let's continue in worship. Stand with me this morning. Let's all hail the power of Jesus' name. All hail the power of Jesus' name, let angels prostrate fall. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him loyal. Bring forth the royal diadem and crown him loyal.
Proverbs 11, 24 and 25. One person gives freely yet gains more. Another withholds what is right only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. That brings us to what Christ said to the sheep. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Generosity is what Christ was all about. When we give things to God, then they don't possess us. We give him our time and God controls it. We give him our talents and God uses it. We give him our possessions and they do not possess us, but they're used to bless others. Generosity is what God wants us to develop in our lives. Join me as we pray. Father, we're reminded of the prophet Isaiah when we hear him say to you, Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Father, we have seen you. We've seen you in your grace, in your forgiveness, and the peace, all at the price on a Roman cross. Father, your bounty is before us all day long. What will be our response? Please multiply our meager efforts at giving. We say we love you. Teach us how to love you. To love you with all that is within us and all that we have and own and everything that we call our lives. Thank you so much for the gift of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen.
isn't it great seeing various generations across the platform singing and worshiping together? That's something we're wanting to do on a regular basis here at the church, bringing everybody together and celebrating the generations as we worship together. You know, we live in a very unique time in history. Right now, there are six living generations. And that doesn't happen very often, but I guess as we live longer, that's going to happen. Six generations. And we've given these names in the U.S. to the GI generation, the silence, the boomers, Gen X, my generation, Generation Y, the millennials, and then Generation Z are the boomlets. And there'll be some more coming soon because we're, you know, we're pressing on past at least 10 years. And so all of these six generations are here together. And I'm sure you've noticed that uh, there are many differences among the generations. We've everything from senior adults in the GI generation who grew up without electricity, probably, down to preschoolers who've never known life without a smartphone, That is a tremendous difference in life and and how we've grown up. We see the difference in the way we learn things. Typically, the younger generations are more visual learners. The influence of video, the older generations are more auditory learners. Uh, We see it in the way we communicate and plan. Even here at the church, the older generations will say, well, let's plan a meeting and we'll come up to the church and we'll meet. My generation says, can't we just send an email? And the millennials say, can't you just text me? It's, we're all different in the way we learn, in the way we communicate, in the way we do things. In six generations that cover nearly a hundred years of rapid change and technological advance are going to have some big differences. Unfortunately, too often we allow those differences to create conflict When God actually desires that those differences provide strength. And that's what we're going to look at today. Here at First Baptist Church Pineville, we're committed to doing our very best to achieve God's vision of strength coming from the differences in the generations. We're committed to reaching all generations because we believe that generations come together and when they come together, they are strengthened together. And we've tried to communicate that in this first phase of our master plan. We're making way for our future, and that future includes every generation. We're pouring into every building on this campus, making sure that our, our facilities is improved, are improved for everyone. Uh, the activities building is getting updates in our youth spaces for our students, but also we're installing an elevator for the first time for our senior adults and those with disabilities. We're expanding the restrooms in our Cali building on the first floor to make it easier for our senior adults. And we're replacing that elevator there. We're redoing the preschool and children's spaces to update that area for the new generations that are coming. Everyone gets something because every generation is important. Now, as we go through other phases in our master plan, we may not be able to do that simply because what we'll be doing in that plan. But it was very important for this very first phase to be designed to touch every generation. You know, every week, as Ryan started this morning, we say we want to do life together as we seek to be first As we want to be focused on God, involved in ministry, respected by peers, strengthened in the faith, and transformed by Christ. That's our big vision. But we can't fulfill that vision and that mission if we leave out a generation or if we leave out a couple of generations. It will take every generation in the church being first to raise up new generations to be first. That is what we must do. We have to reach all six generations simultaneously. How in the world do you do that? How do you reach generations that are so vastly different? And how do you reach all of those at the same time? Well, it's challenging. We run into the challenges all the time. But as I reflect upon it, I also think it's not rocket science either. Because Scripture helps us to see How we can reach all the generations. Our text for today is Psalm 78, just the first part, verses 1 through 8. Psalm 78, verses 1 through 8. And I hope you'll turn there in your copy of God's Word. 
this psalm was likely first preached as a sermon in verse. And it was preached in a sermon like a poem so that it could be taught easily and it could be remembered easily. And so this message was put together and it was probably preached at maybe one of the national festivals when when most of Israel would have joined together and the speaker could have gathered everybody together and he could have given this instruction. It's sometimes called a, a historical psalm because it's a retelling of the history of Israel, but it's retelling it with a point. The psalmist starts out saying, we have all these generations that we have to reach, and we want the coming generations to be more faithful than the past generations. And then he rehearses for them the rebellion and disobedience, and it then tells how things could be drastically different in the coming generations if people are to heed his advice. So let's journey through these eight verses and, and glean some truths for reaching the generations as we need to. The first truth that I think we can glean is that each generation must own the truth of God for itself. Each generation must own the truth of God for itself. Look at verses 1 through 3. Oh, my people, hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. Now, I want you to notice something in those verses. Notice how in the first two verses, the pronouns are my and I. And then he changes to the things he, we have heard and that we have heard from them. The psalmist was taught the things he knows about God by the generation before him. But now the things that he had been told by someone else have become his own words. You see that? What was their teaching has now become my teaching. What were their words have now become my words. He was owning the truth of God for himself. It's no longer his teacher's truth. It's no longer his parents' truth. It's no longer his grandparents' truth. It is his truth. Each generation must own the truth of God for itself. Throughout the Old Testament, God repeats, I am the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. That connection of the generations of grandfather and father and son certainly reminds us that God is the same through the generations, that his covenant was the same through all the generations, but it also gently reminds us that each succeeding generation had to believe in God for themselves. Abraham had to believe. Then Isaac had to believe, and then Jacob had to believe for God to become the the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You can't have a relationship with God with your grandparents' faith. You can't have a relationship with God with your daddy's faith. You can't rely on your parents' service to the church. You've got to own the faith for yourself in your own generation. But owning our faith doesn't end with belief, however. If you, really, if you really own your faith for your generation, in your generation, then you're going to try to reach your generation. I found a chart that places the eternal purpose of God alongside the temporal characteristics of a generation. You see that the purpose of God is eternal, it's foundational, it's unchanging, but generations are temporal. They're cultural. And they are changeable. What we have to do in each generation is to find the temporal, cultural, and changeable methods to communicate the eternal, foundational, unchangeable truths of God to a new generation. We don't look down on the temporal, cultural, or changeable. We harness that and use that to reach out and to continue the eternal, foundational, unchangeable truth of God. And each generation has to figure that out for themselves. We each must serve God's unchanging purpose within our particular generation by owning our faith. I heard two stories this week of where that's happening in our church. One story comes from our youngest generation. 
A couple of weeks ago, you remember Jackson Stafford came forward and made a profession of faith. He's going to be baptized in a couple of weeks. Um, First grader Jackson has wasted no time telling his generation about Jesus Christ. In fact, he, he came home one day this week and he told his mom, he said, Hey, I, I want to I wanna start a club at school through which I can teach people about Jesus and how to tell other people about Jesus. Jackson had realized talking to his friends at school in first grade that not all of them go to church. And so he surmised, and I think rightly, that they probably don't know Jesus. And maybe their families don't know Jesus. And so Jackson said, I'm going to figure out how to tell my friends about Jesus. And so he wanted to put together a team. He told his mama, will not it be great? We have cheerleaders. We have a basketball team. This will be like a Jesus team. So Jackson did. He didn't waste any time. He got 13 friends together this week, and he told them about Jesus, and his mama took a picture of his sermon notes and sent them to him. Here they are on the screen. God answers your prayers. Jesus saved us and died on the cross. God and Jesus are in my heart, and God is not dead. Y'all want to have an invitation right now? Y'all ready? Isn't that awesome? How many of you adults did that in the break room at work this week? Yeah. Mm. First grader. That's what it means to be a first kid. Let's give Jackson a hand. He's here today. He's right back over there. It's awesome. But that's not all. I heard about through some of our, our students that some of our youth girls are getting together. They wanted to talk about purity. And they wanted to, to grow in, in following God as they should. And I, Sarah Price was one of the youth girls that put this together. And so their generation reached up to the generation ahead of them and said, Hey, would you come talk to us about living a pure life and following Jesus? And then they're going to put a, a scavenger hunt together where they're doing missional work. And all that's happening this coming Saturday. That's awesome. And so that's owning your faith in your own generation. And that's being a first youth. And so give these youth girls a hand for, for what they're doing to reach their generation. Now, here's the thing. Even if we own our faith in our own generation, we can't stop with just our generation. Because there are generations ahead of us, there are generations below us. And the next truth is that each generation must teach the next generation. Go back to verse 2, and then we're going to go to verse 6. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, what we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would turn, would, would tell their children. As the former generations had done in verse 3, so the psalmist generation plans to tell of the great deeds of the Lord to the coming generation in verse 4. But notice that a generation can't just talk the talk. They have to walk the walk as well. When we see in verses 5 and 6, we see this duty of following God that we, will, we know these statues that God established, that God commanded and we're going to make sure that they see those, that they know those, and that they live those. There is a connection between knowing the truth and living the truth. And the transmission of truth can most effectively take place when the elder generation lives the truth and then teaches the truth. Moses taught this foundational principle all the way back as he was preparing the people to go into the promised land. In Deuteronomy, where he tells the people as, as the end of what we know as the Shema of Israel, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your heart. You shall impress them on your children. You shall talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and your gates. And this is why. He says, when the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. Then when you eat and are satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord 
who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You're going to go in, you're going to enjoy these things, but be talking about the things of God and all the things God has done and all the law that I've taught you so that you will not forget the Lord. You're going to be talking it and you're going to be living it. If they would take the things of God and make them part of their everyday conversation with the generation under them, their children, they would not forget the Lord when they got into the land. You see, we are always one generation away from losing the faith. Always one generation. This psalm goes on to talk about Israel's history of salvation. The purpose of retelling that history, however, is not simply to transmit generation or information. It's to ensure that each generation will set their hope on God, will not forget the works of God, and will keep his commandments unlike the generations that were rebellious. You know, we can always look back and say, man, those people just did so wrong. Can you believe that, what they did? And it's easy to pick on people who are behind us, or people who are dead and gone, or people that have really made mistakes. It's easy to look back. But what we have to do is to then pick our eyes up, fix our eyes on Jesus and say, but I don't want to be like that. And so God help me to train my eyes on you in my generation. And may I reach the generations to come who are behind me. And may I be a faithful part of a generation. You see... Every one of us must actively pass on the faith to the generation behind us. That, of course, begins in our own families. We want to pass on the faith to our children and to our grandchildren. But that continues in the church. Some of us will do that by being a part of a ministry through which we teach the other generations under us, whether that's an age-graded ministry or a choir or Sunday school or, or one of our mission organizations or volunteering in something. Others will... Make sure that we give so that those ministries can take place. We don't maybe have the gift of teaching, but we can give so that those ministries can take place. Or we'll give to make sure that children and youth can, can go to camps and to special events where they can meet God in a, a little bit different way. But all of us also live the example every day among the generations here. How do we live? How do we talk? Do we forgive? How do we worship? How do we share our faith? How do we act when we're in public? There are always people behind us who are looking up to us. We need to always remember that. Now, those of you on the upper levels of those generations, you've been around longer, you have more people looking up to you. But those in the younger generations don't think no one's looking at you. Teenagers, the kids are looking at y'all. You're their heroes. They think y'all are the most awesome thing in the world. So they're like, what are the youth doing? And they're going to do it. But, but children don't think nobody's watching you because the preschoolers are looking at you. When you're up here singing, the, one, the preschoolers who aren't quite up in the children's choir, they're watching you. What's that? What are those kids doing? I'm going to do that one day. How are they living their lives? Every generation has someone watching them. And so each generation must teach the next generation. But also each generation must have a vision for the coming generations. Look at verses 6 and verse 8. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their forefathers. A stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to Him. Each generation must have a vision for the coming generations. The psalmist looks beyond his own generation to the generations after him. And he doesn't just look to his own children or even to his own grandchildren. He looks even beyond them. In fact, someone has said there are actually five generations noted in this psalm. He talks about our fathers. He talks about their children, which would be the psalmist generation. He talks about the generations to come. He talks about the children who would be born to that generation. And then he talks about their children. 
Five generations, this person is looking across and toward to see what's to come. He looks several generations, several decades ahead into the future and cast a vision of what will happen. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands and they wouldn't be like their forefathers. I love to hear our most senior adults, the members of that GI generation, talk about the future of our church. Now, they know that they don't have that many years ahead of them. They have way more behind them than they have ahead. But they are some of the people who are most excited about what God is doing in our church. And it's awesome. I think of Miss Lula Hale, who anytime I talk to her or drop in at, to see her still volunteering in her 90s at Rapids Hospital, drop in to see her, and she just always says, Our church is so great. Our staff is so great. Things are so good. And she's always going to give a thumbs up. Somebody does something mean to me, I'm going to go see Miss Lula. She's going to pick me right up and give a thumbs up, you know. Some of our senior saints in their 80s and 90s, and they say, I've never seen the Spirit so good in our church. That's awesome. It makes us say, thank you, God, because they're seeing that the generations behind them, which includes most of us, are inheriting something strong. If you want to reach the younger generations, the older generations have to have a passion for the younger generations. It's the only way it's going to happen. The older generations have to realize that they absolutely must tell the generations after them about the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. The older generation must commit to doing everything they can to make sure that the coming generations hear the truth of God, that they come to own the truth of God for themselves, and that that they can pass on that truth to the next generation. If that means changing things that you don't really like, great. If that means volunteering so that parents can go to a, uh, some kind of seminar or a retreat, great. If that means uh, having more patience, great. If that means giving money to fund the work of the church and send kids to camp, great. But we have to have an a, a attitude in our older generations that we will do whatever it takes to reach the coming generations. And friends, it's going to change. The older generation's going to go away. The next generation, there's going to be a day when I'm at the top. And I'm looking back and I'm going to not like the songs we're singing. And I'm going to not like the new instruments they're playing. And I'm not going to like the way the new preacher at First Baptist is dressing. And I'm not going to like... But you know what? we got to reach the next generation. I don't want the church to die with Generation X. I don't even want it to die with the boomlets. There's more to come. And so we've got to make sure that we see the generations coming to Christ. I was excited this week after um, Sunday service. uh, Laurie Johnson emailed me, and I included this little note in my Postscripts article this week. But she said after last week's service, I'm so happy that my girls will reap the benefits of this vision just as I've reached the benefits from my grandparents and parents' generation due to their vision and faithfulness. You see the importance of past generations reaching current generations? Just in that statement, four generations talked about. If we reach only one generation, our church will die in the next generation. We must have vision for every generation that's here and every generation that is to come. And so let me ask you this. Will you own the truth of God in your generation? And what are you doing to actively reach your peers in your generation? Also, will you help teach the next generation? How are you making sure that the generations behind you learn about Jesus Christ? And then, will you have vision for the coming generations? Will you get excited about what God has in store for all those generations Younger than you and the ones that we've yet to meet? Will you look and see a a platform full of all generations worshiping and say, that's awesome. That's what we want to see. We want to experience more of that. You see, friends, we're making way for the generations to come. Turn your attention to the videos and hear some testimonies from our people. 
that there are people that have been walking with the Lord longer than I've been alive. I truly believe it takes all generations for the church to succeed because we learn from the older generation and therefore we could be examples to the younger generation. Because a family isn't just one generation, a family spans multiple generations. And you can't just minister to one generation. Um, if you're truly <coughs> trying to further God's kingdom, you have to minister to all the generations that are present. We're a church that truly does life together from birth to burial. And I really, that's one of the reasons I call it home. So to see a church that has infants as well as people pressing into the upward 80s and 90s is great because it shows a healthy church. You see that there's all ages and you can learn, especially being in our 20s and being just married, we can learn from those that have been married for 40, 50 plus years. And so it's great to see a healthy church. My prayer is that we can continue to have a facility in church that reaches everybody. Because we need all generations. We uh... We, we can learn a lot from different generations. Working with college students through the years, they brought energy to my life, and I still feel that way. I don't think about being old. I am, but I don't feel that way. I have learned, particularly from the younger generation, that, that we as senior adults got to have more patience. Uh, they adapt easier than we do, and uh, we try to adapt with them, but it's uh, not easy. They do teach me all the technology that I know for sure. <laughs> but besides that, uh, they, uh, they have a different way of looking at things. How bold they are in their faith and how excited they are at church and how involved they are in all of the missions. They just have such a relationship that as I look back on my life, I probably wasn't there with Christ as they are. I work with the Mission Friends, so it's three to five years old, and I think the most impactful thing that I've learned from them is not to discriminate on what one looks like or sounds like or what they're doing. The children love without question, and Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, and I think there's something that we can learn from that beautiful innocence that the children have. I've learned as ironic as it might sound, being content, because you can give them something so small, and yet they're just so happy with what they have. Without them, once we're gone, where is this place? Where is everybody else? You know, because my generation's only getting out of here, and it's nice to know that somebody's going to be around after we leave. The importance of the older generation reaching down and touching the younger generation, um, it's been one of the most moving and uh, encouraging things in my life, and that's what I've really tried to do to the generation below me because that's it's that interaction with one another that just builds such a strong bond. I think everyone needs an older person in their life to help them understand the day-to-day -day things that happen to, the, to them. And so when I look to them, I see here are these people that have gone through, maybe they've had a death of a child, maybe they've had marriage troubles, maybe they've had physical ailments, and here they are showing up at 80 and 90 years old. They're sitting in the pew, they're serving. Here is the evidence of God's faithfulness in the flesh right here. My generation's greatest need is to be educated more about God's Word and how important it is and that it needs to be made a priority in their household and to be examples to their children to put Christ first and put the church first and everything else seems to fall in place after that. I feel like we need a serious commitment in our church for a weekly Bible study where we meet with all generations and share this time together in God's Word. There's a big need for relationships because we have all of these cell phones and, and technology and what we really need is to focus on the Lord. And it sounds like a Sunday school answer to say that we need Jesus, but we do. That's what our generation needs is to not look to Google for all the answers because our smartphone doesn't know everything. And so I think looking to the Bible and really getting down to the foundations is what we need. Powerful testimonies, aren't they? 
The question this morning for all of us is, will you commit to helping us reach the next generation? Every one of us has a generation behind us, except those that are in the nursery right now. And they will one day. So the question is, will we commit to reach the generation behind us? Perhaps that means that you need to respond to a call that God's been placing on your life for some time to to maybe teach another generation or maybe even your own generation. God's been saying to you, you need to plug in. There's, there's a need I've equipped you for. And you need to respond to that. Or maybe, maybe God's been calling you to make a commitment to making way and, and you've been hesitant to do so. You just say, I, 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 don't know, I don't know that I can do that. Don't be hesitant anymore. Go home. Pray. Fill out that commitment card and bring it back with faith on May 3rd. And trust God to honor that. Or maybe God's calling you to plug into this church and become an official part of what God's doing here. There are, as I see these testimonies, I think back of several years ago and, and all the things God has done. And it's, it's so amazing to see the progress. And it gets me excited about what's going to come in the years to come. So maybe you need to just plug in and say, I want to I sign up. I want to be a part of this church. Not just to attend. Not even just to be... A member, but to really belong and to serve and to do life with this church and to seek to be first together. You know, you can do that, becoming a member of our church in several different ways. One is by profession of faith. Several of our children have done. It's not a children's thing. It's a anybody who needs to trust Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior thing. And if you've never trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, then I would encourage you today to make that commitment and say, I'm repenting of my sins, receiving Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I'm walking with Him from this day forward. When you come and you say, Pastor, I want to come join the church by profession of faith. I'm trusting Jesus. And then we talk to you about your faith and plan for you to be baptized into the church and the family of God. We'd love to have you become a part in that way. You can also become a Part of the church by transfer of letter from a sister church. Maybe you've moved to the area. You've been visiting. You're looking for a church home. You remember somewhere else, but you want to plug in here. You can say, Pastor, we're members of such and such church somewhere else. We want to now become members of First Baptist Church Pineville. It may also be that you could come by statement of faith and of baptism. That's simply for those you, maybe you were saved as a kid and, and baptized, but you don't really remember the name of the the church, because you went with your grandma, but you know that beyond a shadow of a doubt, you were, you were saved and it was genuine. Or maybe the church you were a part of is no more and there's not a letter to go get. Or you're coming from a, a different background other than Southern Baptist, but you have trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have been baptized by immersion. You could come and become a part of our church family. God's doing wonderful things in our church and we want everyone to be a part of what it what he's doing. So we encourage you today to respond. But the main question to consider is will I do what it takes to reach all of the generations? As we stand and sing this song that says God help us to be a generation that seeks your face. Would you respond to the Lord today and seek his face as we worship together?